Hello, and welcome to Art Dirt, a podcast where we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. My name is Brandon Zeck. I'm Christina Reese. And today we're going to be talking about what galleries can do for artists in 2019. There's kind of been this conversation in many different forms. There's always an op-ed about it. There's always there's always artsy articles about what galleries can do and how to get gallery representation and how representation for artists by a gallery may or may not be the in, be-all, end-all of an artist's career. I think we're going to touch a little less on the hyperbolic conversation that normally surrounds this topic. And instead, we're going to talk just a little more about the reality of the situation. Yeah. So uh, as a, you know, what happens is whenever there's a, I guess, a traceable trend in what's happening with galleries, whether it's local or, or national or international, there's often a sort of rash of stories and conversation around this. Uh, in 2014, I wrote a piece for Glass Tire called The Conscious Uncoupling of Texas Artists and Galleries. The gallery landscape has been changing rapidly. Uh, really since the 2008-2009 recession, there were a lot of uh, gallery closings in the bigger markets in Texas, Dallas, and in, uh, in Houston, uh, Dallas especially. But um, there's been a, a kind of a disappearing act of mid-tier galleries in big markets like Los Angeles and London and New York. Texas has been reasonably stable, although new gallery models have cropped up or new sort of non-gallery models have cropped up. Diesel um, is, a, is an example of that. But I think that... Um, this changing landscape throws up this question again and again, year after year by artists who are living and working in Texas, which is, you know, is it worth it to have a gallery? What sort of gallery would I like? What sort of dealer would I want to be working with? What can they do for me? Is it worth the hustle? Is it not worth the hustle? Is the relationship worth it? I think these are really legitimate questions. I think depending on what town or city you live in, I think the answer can vary. Oh yeah. Um, so um, let's kind of dig into this. I will say that for the purpose of this particular conversation, I will I will be using the term gallerist and dealer probably interchangeably. I know that those definitions uh, differ somewhat um, in the real world, but um, maybe not here today. And um, and I also just want to go on the record to say that I I I had a gallery once upon a time from 2006 through 2009 and. Um, I have tremendous uh, respect for art dealers um, and gallerists in particular. And I, and a lot of Texas dealers are really my favorite thing about being in this state from city to city. I just, and they're all very different. There's no way to categorize one dealer versus another. They're very tough. They have to be extremely tough. But when I speak about art dealers and art galleries, I tend to speak of them with a lot of affection. And I think it's because at one point I was down in the trenches and it was an incredibly stressful thing. And I, I just appreciate that. Yeah, well, you're kind of touching on the point of dealers in the same but a very different way as artists are the people who are really in the trenches of an art scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That dealers are the people that kind of have to make sacrifices for their artists. And essentially, this is a symbiotic relationship where you find someone that you work well, whether you're a dealer or an artist, you're going to find a personality that matches with yours and a program that matches with yours that you have a lot of affection for. And you're going to want to be at the gallery and you're going to enjoy talking about the work with who you're working with. 
it's it is a relationship. There will be a good affectionate relationship between the two of you. You know, and the and to and when we talked about uh, a recent podcast, we were talking about what makes a good art scene or what the different art scenes were like in in the state of Texas from market to market. And I named the various components that make up an art scene or an art ecosystem. But I think of all these five to six to seven components, I feel like the artists and the art dealers are the ones on the front line of any art scene because they're the ones who have to face the most volatility in a market or money-wise. They're the ones who um, struggle the most and face the most fear and stress about what's coming around the corner. I think that people who are employed in museums uh, and big nonprofits are shielded from that a little bit. And I also feel like obviously the artists and the dealers are the ones who are uh, in touch with the art as it's coming out of the studio. I mean, that's that's just where all the action is, the all the initial action is. So it's a very exciting place to be but it's also the scariest place to be. Yeah, a lot of the newest art actually, I think nowadays, is shown in galleries. I think it might have used to have been nonprofits um, sometimes, or you know, big shows or big performance things were worked on and showed by nonprofits or commissioned by nonprofits. But nowadays, it's artists working towards gallery shows, even if they're not represented by a gallery, which is how I think a fair number of artists in Texas are doing it nowadays where they kind of make their own way or show with different galleries or I mean that's also the way that as an artist you should think about working with a gallery is you have a series of trial runs and see if the relationship is good you know what you're talking about about where where the first exciting art shows up uh, on a scene is an interesting topic and I think historically uh, the most exciting art in the world shows up in galleries first I think it's the dealers who go and sniff out the good stuff and often they're put in touch with new artists or uh, emerging artists via other artists they show. I mean, artists and dealers have close relationships. They talk to each other, and uh, and that's, that's how those relationships form. However, you know, I think what you've seen in your generation and being in Texas is that the nonprofits and the artist-run spaces um, have often put forward really exciting work early on, and the galleries are a little bit more establishment here in Texas. Mm -hmm. But um, increasingly, I think both of us see that we have a lot of favorite artists in every city and town in Texas who are not represented by anyone and really are not necessarily looking to be represented by anyone. Some of my very favorite artists in Dallas, uh, they don't show in galleries. They, you know, it's not to say that they aren't included in group shows in galleries on occasion, um, but they aren't even necessarily that interested in that and that model, and I'll tell you why, it's because there's not a lot of money in it these days. Um, guaranteed sales are not a thing anymore. And so artists, you know, who are aspiring to get into a gallery, what are they getting? I mean, that's the conversation that we're having today. What can galleries do for artists in 2019? And we're talking about Texas. I'm not talking about New York or London or Los Angeles, although the polarization of the money is, you know, that touches Texas too. The mega galleries in New York versus the mid-tier galleries in New York versus the grassroots galleries in New York or the mom and pop or smaller galleries in New York. I mean, that's an ongoing story and it's a big story because mid-tier galleries and small galleries just disappear. There's a good thing and a caveat about all of the galleries in Texas. One of the things we were talking about before we started to record, Christina, was that these galleries are located in Texas and they're located in cities in Texas and grand scheme, you're not going to have a gallery in Houston for the money. 
you're going to have a gallery in Houston because you believe in Houston or the city or its artists, or if you're showing artists from elsewhere, you believe in those artists too and showing them to an audience that otherwise wouldn't see them. And then you probably really believe in the work and want the work to see as many eyes and live in as many homes as possible. So there's there's a real kind of Texas ruggedness and independence with having a gallery in Texas. And like you were talking about, a kind of hardness and a willingness to be in the trenches. But then also the flip side of that is since you don't have three locations in LA, Hong Kong, and New York, and since you don't have $2 million in your bank account, it's harder to do those shows that don't sell or the shows that, you know, are a weird unsellable performance thing or a, just a single video piece that's been produced for two years and financed by you. You can't do those things or it's harder to do those things as a gallerist in Texas because of all of the kind of random various limitations that come with not being in necessarily a place of the the money center of New York market-wise. Yeah, and, and dealers in Texas, galleries in Texas, you know, they've got their core of collectors that they can generally count on, uh, especially for their bigger shows. So what happens is, this is a pretty typical business model for a lot of creative industries. Galleries have their sellers, their big sellers. So they'll have their sort of, their version of a blockbuster show once or twice or three times a year, and that essentially floats them for the rest of the year to do smaller shows, more experimental shows, shows that they know will not sell, but that are extremely interesting, that, that gives them their street cred, essentially, uh, or helps them maintain their credibility amongst artists and curators, et cetera. Uh, and it's not to say that their big sellers don't do that as well, but they really depend on having a few artists who are, who can, they can really sell that work and sell out a show or come close to selling out a show in order to float them for the rest of the year. And this is to say nothing about how expensive it is to do an art fair. Um, but you know, I, I would say one of the, one of the reasons I think artists crave having a gallerist or having a dealer or having just a gallery help them and support them is this almost ineffable relationship that forms. That's about dialogue and context. I mean, having somebody who's already got the infrastructure set up for PR and showing something and getting the work in front of collectors, you know, it helps contextualize the work and it feels like psychologically, emotionally, and then possibly financially, it's a true support system. It's like having family it's like having a parent who cares it's like um it's 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 not it's different from having a network of artists that you work with that's also very uh important not work with it but speak with and hang out with but you know i think a lot of i think a lot of artists like to have a gallery because they don't want to feel like they're making work in a vacuum yeah there's there must be this amazing truly exciting feeling again if you have a good relationship with your gallery of your gallerists saying hey i want to come to the studio and see what you've been working on because i am excited about you and what you do it's it is totally a sense of validation also like just to put it plainly oh, it's yeah. it's pure validation of what you're doing and we all say that we don't want external validation but we all actually crave it in some way shape or form at least at some point oh yeah and the making of art in a, in a place like texas that can be hostile to art i think that can become especially important 
But I also will say as a former dealer or gallerist uh, that, you know, for a good art dealer, it, that's the most exciting thing for them as well. You know, I don't think very many art dealers in Texas find the most exciting thing to be uh, the the kind of high glamour galas and uh, hobnobbing. I think for them, the reason they got into it is because they have a passion for art. They love the work and they love the artists and they want to work with them and they want to have a, a deep relationship with them and they want to continue to work for them. Over years, they want to build a deep relationship with them. That's really what I've gotten. You know, uh, our job at Glass Tire means we go into galleries and sit down with dealers and talk to them extensively. And the galleries that show really good work, which there are many of in Texas, really are headed by the people that really care about the work because the people who are in the trenches also are the ones that have the good eye. Yeah, the good eye is really key. I mean, there's something super maverick about an art dealer you have to understand. And um, while they, most dealers have a wonderful veneer of sociability and um, and protocol and a, a, a wonderful way to interface with the public. They are as um, they are as discerning as art critics. They are uh, absolutely, or as curators. But they've chosen to not work in that that academic system or uh, the museum system because that would probably be a little too stifling for them. There would be too much red tape. There's too much bureaucracy. There's too much answering to a you know to the PC police for that matter. So they want to run their own spaces. They can be in some ways as creative and interesting as the artists they show. Frankly, they just uh, do everything that they do in service to the art. I, I can't, again, I, I'm sure it's coming through, but I just can't tell you how much I admire a, an art dealer who has persevered through all of these you know, up and down markets, this volatility that happens, including in the state of Texas, uh, I think they can be pretty astonishing for hanging in there. With that, I do think that there are so many, there are so many artists in Texas and there are so many models for how to get the work out there that doesn't necessarily include an, an art gallery that artists can choose to sidestep that whole thing entirely and get their work out there without showing it in a gallery space. I mean, that is part of what we have talked about before of like the, the, we keep using the word maverick, but the maverick nature of all of Texas and all of its cities and that there is opportunity besides kind of the establishment in places like LA and New York, you know, there are enough galleries that you might be able to get in somewhere, but there's also just so much going on that if you show at this random place, you might not get seen. And there's almost, I think more of a need by some of the people out there to need to get in a place that is known because that's the only way people will come because there's so much going on and so much in front of us. So here's a kind of a, a set of nuts and bolts to discuss here. Number one is that being picked up by a Dallas gallery or a Houston gallery or a San Antonio gallery, I would say there's, a, there's less fear here in Texas about one gallery uh, stealing artists from another gallery. That's not as much of a, a problem or a trend in Texas as it is in bigger markets. You know, in if, if, well, I will say this, when the trend of mega galleries stealing good artists from smaller galleries makes it as a plot line in a, in an HBO show, we know that that trend has peaked. And that is, that happened in the show called Divorce. Um, a gallery is devastated by the loss of its primary artist. Uh, a mega gallery steals this artist from a, a gallery. Now in Texas, that doesn't tend to be such a thing. What can a gallery do for an artist here? What, 
what can they offer them financially? What can they offer them PR-wise? What can they do for them? I think it depends on the gallery. And, you know, signing contracts or having galleries make big promises to you about what they can do for you, I don't even know that that takes place very much in Texas. It certainly didn't among the gallerists that I worked with in Dallas. Um, it's an unspoken set of agreements between an artist and a gallerist about what the relationship's going to be and what sort of business will take place. Um, I do think that once upon a time, galleries were much more set up to help pay for the cost of fabrication, framing, shipping, all of this stuff. And I will say that I feel like that money, that pile of money is shrinking over time, even in Texas. I think that galleries don't have the, the, the liquidity to just be able to throw money at an artist to fabricate a big sculpture. Artists are having to be a little bit more resourceful and meet galleries in the middle somewhere in a way that they probably didn't before. I think there are probably the most established galleries in Texas are probably still working along that older model of being able to take care of some of the financial constraints. But I think that increasingly there's a more casual sort of give and take that's happening. Well, and just to ground this conversation also, some of what you're referencing that uh, some of what you kind of left unspoken of things that used to happen, and this was maybe a little more 1900s definitely than 2000s or early 2000s, but galleries used to operate essentially on a patronage system where they would give artists stipends and artists would work off of that. And then, you know, eventually the sales would come through and it's almost like the repayment for that. And it was essentially giving an artist a salary to be an artist and make sales and do their works. Of course, smaller galleries didn't ever really tend to operate like this. It was mostly larger tier galleries, but at the same time, being able to front money is a luxury that, again, maybe because of the financial constraints that we are in Texas, um, and we're not selling million dollar paintings like Gagosian is, it's kind of a limiting factor that doesn't really exist on the spectrum. No, it's, it's not really a thing here. So if, a, if an artist is seeking a gallery in Texas that's going to operate in like those old glory days, first of all, I don't think that happened here much at all in the first place. And second of all, if it did, it's, it's disappearing. I mean, there are very few galleries in Texas that show contemporary art that have a uh, uh, very much business in the secondary market. Now, the secondary market is where the big money is uh, for a lot of galleries in other uh, bigger markets. Well, and that's how a lot of these Texas galleries can help stay afloat also, is by dealing in things like, I don't know, prints by Rauschenberg or Jasper Johns or, you know, works that come up. Well, yeah, they'll have... They'll have collect yeah, they'll have collectors who have deep collections and they want to offload something and then they go to the, the dealer who they trust in Texas to help them offload the stuff at auction or what, or to sell privately, whatever. But there are, there are far fewer of those galleries in Texas than I think artists may assume. I mean, I, I think I could maybe list on possibly one hand, maybe two, the number of galleries in the entire state that have any sort of notable secondary market dealings. It's just not much of a thing here. And that means that galleries are very dependent on selling the living, breathing artist work that they're showing, the new work, the primary market work that they have. And that's a really, that's a really tricky game. So I think what, a, what an artist could probably expect, even from the smaller galleries, 
is a show probably once every two years. I think that would be fair. That's about average. Well, and that also, that way it also gives an artist actual time between shows because galleries that try and force artists to do shows frequently, you don't get good work that way. Yeah, and some artists are much more prolific than others, and some some artists wouldn't be able to do a show every two years. They just don't work quickly enough, but some... Some do. Another expectation is, you know, does a gallery take the work to art fairs? And um, I think that even this set of expectations is shifting right now as galleries figure out which art fairs they can do, which ones are worth it. You know, there was a, I think there was a peak trend for a little while, probably around, let me think, 20, between like 2010 in 2017. Yeah, I was going to say like 2012. Yeah, to go to as many art fairs as possible. It is incredibly expensive to do art fairs for a gallery. And uh, I don't blame artists for expecting a gallery to do a few fairs and to, and to take their work, but I think that that's shifting rapidly. And I think increasingly galleries are being very picky about which art fairs they do and how they do them. And I think that that offer on the table is is kind of moving around right now. And I think that that's a conversation that an artist can have with a gallerist prior to really even working with them is to see what what that what that dealer's philosophy is about doing art fairs uh, because it's it may not be what they expect. And and I think a dealer will have a lot of good answers for that for any artist. I think they'll be able to to really level with them about whether they do fairs and which ones they do and why they do them and what they expect to get out of it. Well, and similarly, this isn't art fairs, but if you're an artist and you're looking for someone to show your work, you need to find someone that has the best kind of holistic approach for what you think you're doing. And that involves things like social media. As much as we love to hate social media, dealers that are active on social media and that have a good functioning website and that just know how to kind of intuitively use the internet or have someone on staff that knows how to intuitively use the internet and engage with people is uh, is a resource that cannot be toted enough. Well, and and think about this too. If a gallerist approaches you, an artist, and says, I would like to show you or represent you, you know, the artist should have ways of researching what this gallery is, uh, where they, you know, what they show, what their program is. But if it's an established gallery, if it's a gallery that's been around for a little while and looks to be reasonably stable, I think that you should assume that that dealer has a collector base that they think your work will work for. I mean, that's why they're saying that they would like to show you is either they're very passionate about what you do, so they want to give it a try, that's a positive thing, or they think that they have collectors who will buy your work. And in either case, I think it's worth sitting down and having a conversation with that dealer. The dealers don't take crazy risks because they can't afford to. So if they're talking to you about giving you a show, listen to them and see what they have to say. Well, and you can also, as another way, kind of pre-show or pre-signing a contract, you can talk to other artists that have been on dealers' rosters. Because, you know, in Texas, Christina, how you mentioned that there's not a lot of poaching going on a lot of dealers have worked with artists for a very long time and there's reasons that those relationships have maintained throughout the years and sometimes dealers and artists have parted ways and it's been amicable and it's been for no ill will just because you know multiple different reasons a collector base has been exhausted or another opportunity worked better or the dealer and the artist both know that another gallery would be better and because this ultimately is a business um 
everyone in the dealer and the artist both should kind of keep that in mind and keep the idea that everyone needs to do what's best for the business and you might not work well together. That's just the nature of dealing someone and having a relationship and that relationship can be changed as long as you're not locked into a 10 year contract. Yeah. uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, and dealers have strong uh, personalities and dispositions, just like I was saying before, just as artists do, you know, the intersection of art and money, which has been true since the, you know, the inception of, you know, uh, of of art making and putting it in front of a public that is that is a really charged place but that is what the that is essentially what the relationship is between artists and dealers is how how do you how do you reconcile the you know what is sublime about art and what is uh profane about money and what you want is a dealer who understands that relationship and can protect the artist and protect their work uh, to some degree from the worst aspects of that uh, dynamic and make sure that the work falls into the hands of people who appreciate it. And that includes museums, by the way. And, you know, obviously it really is still like the primary goal for a dealer to get your work into a museum or a major private collection. Now, museums don't have the kind of money that they used to have, or rather they probably have the same money they had. It's just that art prices have gone up so much that even major museums have a very difficult time scraping together the money to buy artwork by the top artists in the world. So now it's up to the collectors to buy the work and give it to museums. Well, that's still the dealers who are on that front line who are trying to get their collectors to agree to buy a work and give it to a museum. And a lot of that is acknowledged. If you look at younger artists or Texas artists that are in museums, sometimes on the label you will see that it has even been like a gift of the dealer or or it was the dealer, the artist kind of brokering the deal together or a dealer you know this this would be something that would maybe be an older gallery or a a little more gagosian of them but maybe a dealer buys the work and then gives it to the museum because they believe in the artist and it'll also help their career and help their program that is a thing that happens too yeah, it it happens. It's it's not something you should count on, but it is a thing that sometimes happens. No, I mean, I I I almost regret the fact that you even brought that up because that puts a weird pressure on a dealer to do something like that. That's not that's not very typical, by the way. No. But uh but I will say that that kind of protective um advocacy for artists should be in place you should look for that if you're looking for a dealer um and and you should look for a dealer who has a good attitude about museums and a working relationship with the curators of museums and the and a working relationship probably with the trustees or board members of museums that's how the work gets into those those uh those institutions but the for in texas though there are a lot of small scrappy, interesting galleries that um, are kind of working around that system as well. I mean, I think there are some really good galleries in Texas that um, they don't have high expectations for getting their artists work into even Texas museums, but although they should be sort of working toward that goal. You know, in that there are stepping stones, thinking about a Texas example, you know, you're probably going to get your artists to have a show at, at a regional institution before you're going to get 
a show or a piece included, or maybe even a piece bought or donated to a place like the MFAH. So if you see a gallery that's getting artists to have shows or they're maybe helping facilitate, maybe the artists got them shows by themselves, not undercutting artists here, but that are having shows at places like the Art Museum of Southeast Texas or even larger shows at Art League Houston or, you know, any of these kinds of things, there's probably some sort of symbiosis going on or, you know, even if it's kind of unseen just in terms of the dealer being present and being an encouraging presence. Yeah, I think an artist in Texas has the luxury of figuring out how much they like their dealer. I think in New York, that's not necessary. I mean, especially for artists operating at a higher level, I don't even know that that's really such an, such an issue. But I think if an artist gets a studio visit from a dealer, if it's somebody they already know and trust, I think it's worth listening to that dealer. I think that that can be a very honest studio visit, maybe a painful one, but maybe worthwhile. That person is basically telling you what's working or what's not working. And they're, and they're, but they are probably saying it to some degree, whether they can sell it. But I think that if they really love art and they love the artist, that that, that, that should be, it should be an honest conversation that's, that, that you can take seriously and, and in good faith. But I think that if uh, an artist has a bad studio visit with a dealer and they really don't know the dealer very well and they don't trust that person's instincts or agenda, I think you can listen to your gut. I think that, um, and, and decide that that's not somebody you want to work with. If you feel like shit after a studio visit with a dealer, you probably need to figure out why. Is it because they don't like your newest work, but they have a reason for not liking your newest work? Or is it because they just make you feel like shit as an artist? And, um, do some soul searching before you, you know, decide to either sever that relationship or pursue it. Um, dealers themselves are having to ask themselves the same question. You know, they come out of a bad studio visit and they have to figure out whether or not they can continue to work with that artist or encourage uh, the work to go in a different direction or wait out this particular series or whatever it is that they need to do. I guess in an overly simplified summation, we can kind of say that dealing with dealers and dealing with artists and all that kind of thing is just the basic art world principle of what it's like to deal with people, which is probably an overly it's, I know it's overly simplified and it's also just kind of obvious, but that's what this comes down to. This is a business for art dealers and they're in it because they love it and they've made their passion, their business, hopefully, but at the same time it is a business and you have to deal with people and that's what the, game of this is yeah it's an interesting industry because despite the incredibly personal and emotive and visceral impact of art you know we're not talking about stocks and bonds here we're talking about you know the very personal output of an individual that you know they're putting something out in the world that's uh you know that's really really charged for them that in the end uh yeah that relationship is about money and um it's a hard reality and it's an interesting one. I find it endlessly fascinating. Um, I'm always happy to go in and sit down and have a chat with an art dealer. I think it's some of those are some of the most illuminating conversations I have on this job. I think you would agree. Uh, man, I just more power to them and and Godspeed. That's what I say yeah. to a dealer. So dealers, thank you for everything you do and all of the invisible work you do. Artists. Don't judge your worth by whether or not you have a dealer. 
<laughs> those two things seem antithetical. They're not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And artists, good luck. I mean, f- figure out what you need, but do it by talking to your friends, talking to your friends who have dealers, talk to dealers, go in to see gallery, go to gallery shows and see what their program's like. If you see a program that you think, you know, jives really, really well with your work, pay more and more attention to it. It's possible that you could build a relationship with that dealer if they live in your city um, or that work in your city. I don't, you know, I don't know. This is always a process, isn't it? And, um, what you want ultimately is a good, satisfying, trusting relationship between a dealer and an artist. It can be done. It can be done in this state, I think, more so than it can happen in some larger markets. So I think we're lucky in that regard. I think we have some tremendously good dealers here who are doing very, very good work for their extremely good artists. And it's one of the things that makes it really nice to be in Texas right now. And with that, I think the conversation is done. Well, it's never done, but this part of it is done for now. Um, we're going to link in the post a few articles that, Christina, that you've written about galleries, a few that I have written, and just kind of everything else. If you ever want to read more about galleries, just Google tips for art galleries, how to get a gallery. Artsy has millions of articles. Everywhere is writing about this all the time. You'll find out what is and isn't relevant, and that probably most of it isn't. Oh, yeah. And, and as usual, when we do an art dirt, you know, the conversation we have today or this year about this topic, it would be a different conversation a year from now or two years from now or four years from now. It would have been a different conversation five years ago. So uh, this is a particularly, again, a particularly volatile sort of uh, subject that we've waded into. So, uh, but this is what we, this is what we know today. So Good luck out there, and uh, I hope that your August goes well. And in the meantime, uh, go see some art. Go see some art. <laughs>